the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. Stewart with time. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. We'll take a shot downfield. And it is held in by Bryce Bobo. What a one-handed catch. Remember that for your highlight show tonight. Brukop to the corner for Carrington. Intercepted. Colorado got it. Witherspoon. With the biggest play in Colorado football for years. Oliver takes it, has a big one already, he's got room here, Isaiah Oliver cuts it back, punter to beat, he does, he'll take it, touchdown! Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio, Adam Munster, Tiger Publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with the podcasting machine, our fan <laughs> correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Yeah, <laughs> we went from doing no podcasts ever to like three a week. <laughs> so it's definitely been interesting balancing it all in. I was on vacation this past week, for those who don't know. Yes, yeah. the CUCSU game, which hopefully will never, ever happen again. If you know me and you set your wedding for Labor Day weekend when CUCSU plays, I'm not coming. So just that was the one and only time I'm, I'm going to a wedding. <laughs> Did you at least get to do anything fun in Cleveland? Yeah, it was awesome, actually. So I haven't been back in 12 years. The city's definitely improving for sure. It was good to see the old neighborhood. You know, there's a few spots downtown. There's definitely a lot of new shops and restaurants and bars and things of that nature. So that was nice to see. I'm not moving there. The weather still sucks. But, yeah, it was nice to see. It definitely is on the way back. I was recently in Buffalo, and it's definitely nicer than Buffalo, so... They're well, no longer the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> well, we actually have a football game to talk about here, Tyler. Not exactly the season opener we anticipated, 17-3. to What were kind of your main takeaways? What were, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was obviously very surprised to see the low score. Um, I was in Ohio, so they didn't have Pac-12 networks out there, so it was difficult for me to get the game. I was out at a rehearsal dinner. Um, so didn't watch much or see much, but... Obviously, the suspensions are pretty brutal. You don't want to see that from your captains at all. That's a pain. Um, you know, I'm not really surprised that the offense had really good moments and difficult moments. That We kind of expected that. I am surprised that the defense only gave up three points. CSU is a pretty decent offensive team. So that was really nice to see. The guys we expected to make plays definitely made plays. It looked like Drew Lewis, from what I saw, had a very good game, which is we were look, kind of looking for as a – turning point for how good this defense really could be is whether or not he could show up and you know hit the right gaps and make big plays so that was big for me where did you come out on the whole officiating controversy obviously CSU fans up in arms over three of the offensive pass interference calls the hands of the face penalty uh real quick I mean personally I think one of those calls was really egregious but I mean the other calls seemed pretty legit to me. I didn't really think this was a national controversy the way it took off. Yeah, I mean, there are probably two 50-50 calls and one pretty bad call from what I saw. 
I mean, you don't see a lot of offensive pass interference calls, which I think is the main issue. But a lot of people in previous years complain that there aren't enough OPIs. And as soon as they happen against your team, oh, now it's a problem. I mean, if it was me, I would have been pissed. So I can't really blame CSU fans for being frustrated by it. But, I mean, the hands-to-the-face penalty, that's a penalty. I mean, (laughs) just because you score on it doesn't mean it's not a penalty now. So you're going to see that a lot. I mean, I saw Montez got crushed out of bounds on a play that they didn't get that called. So, I mean, there's calls on both sides. I don't, you know, would the game have been closer? Yeah, absolutely. Of course it would have. But I don't think CSU would have been leading the game. And, you know, there's really no excuse to score three points on that green of a defense so you know they had three possessions in the fourth quarter on our side of the field and scored zero points I mean none of those were affected by penalties so you can make excuses and I understand the frustration but you had other opportunities and you didn't find a way to get it done and Colorado got ultra conservative too when CSU just wasn't able to put points on the board I think the only unfortunate situation is that just from an entertainment standpoint, right. it could have been such a much better football game down the stretch to watch. Again, I think Colorado, without question, scores more than 17 points if they feel the pressure. You know, there was the one where they had the ball around the 35-yard line and they decided to punt, which I thought was kind of a weird decision. Kenny put it down inside the 20. It was a good punt. But, yeah, it just from an entertainment standpoint, that was the frustrating part of it. The Pac-12 did come out, and they, they stand behind their officials – um, what else is new? <laughs> yeah. I can't really say much about that other than we've been on the other side of that a few times. And well, yeah, yeah. There, there is a reason that hashtag Pac-12 refs is a thing. Right, right, yeah. I mean, yeah, let's be honest here. There's a reputation there, and they didn't do anything to change that for this game from what I saw. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a few things that, that stood out to you about the game. There are a lot of things we were right about and quite a few things we were wrong about. I think – you, Tyler, you kind of mentioned this, the fact that you expected this defense to be a little bit better than most expected and maybe the offense not quite as explosive as some people expected. I think you were the only person I heard mention that in the preseason. Yeah, as far as I know, I mean, <laughs> I talked about this on Twitter a little bit. This is a little more of an extreme uh, situation than I was expecting in regards to that. Uh, but, yeah, I just think the consistency of the offense is still in question. I would assume most people agree with that after week one. And defensively, there's a lot more talent than we were given credit for. And I think, again, most people would agree with that after game one. So we'll see how it plays out. I still expect the offense to carry the team in a lot of games. So it's not as if I expect them to really struggle like they did in this game the whole year. But um, it, it did lend itself to a little bit of what I was talking about and what my concerns were. And we were, of course, and a lot of people were right about Gunslinger Montez, a, right. a guy that's going to make that play, like where the play breaks down, he points his finger and tells Shea Fields to start running. Unbelievable. I mean, he barely even flicks his wrist, and that thing is going, what, 40 yards in the yeah. air. It was an unbelievable play. But there were other times uh, we, we, we saw him take that shot. I think the worst throw he, throw he tried to make was to Devin Ross in the end zone. Yeah. That was just never open. Yeah, that's a throw you can't make, especially when you're in a position to potentially get points. Um, the, the second interception I saw, the one that Ross scored out of his hands, that's not on Montez. That was a good ball. Right. He should have caught that. At the very least, that should have been incomplete. That's just kind of a bad break. So hard to really fault him for that one. I mean, accuracy-wise, fairly consistent. I would have liked to have seen them use the run game more. Didn't use that as much as I was expecting in this game either. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit interesting. I guess where where we were right and where we were wrong, I don't know. I mean, the special teams looked better. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of chance to see what was going on there. So a little, uh, you know, if, if we can get that level of consistency the whole season, that's great. 
Yeah, Alex Kinney looked fantastic in, again, small sample size, but the hang time on his punts didn't allow for any return yards at all the entire game. So his um, net average was the same as his punting average, which is, you'd love to see that continue. I think he had, what, three inside the 20? So he had a fantastic day. It wasn't that he was booming the ball 60 yards, but he was putting it in that, that 45 range where the ball would just kind of hang up and the coverage team could get down there. Uh, yeah, I think we were wrong on Drew Lewis. We really yeah. had him as a big question mark going into this game. Again, it's just one game, but man, he was flying around out there making making plays. And if they can keep that up, that's going to be a huge part of this defense. Yeah, he kind of went from a guy who I was really high on over the summer to a guy that I was concerned with from what we saw in fall camp. But he showed definitely why a lot of people were very high on him. Uh, no mistakes from what I from what I saw and what I little I've watched of the game so far, and that's big for him. I mean, if he plays that way throughout the year, this defense is definitely going to be very stout. We were uh, right on Evan Worthington being a different type of player, mm-hmm. so versatile out there, such a huge weapon. And Mike McIntyre was right about his defensive coaching hires. At least, again, this is such a small sample size; you don't want to overanalyze. But man, they you, those guys were playing playing uh, with their hearts out out there. You could just tell. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I've, you know. Check one off the board. You know, we've got 11 more to go or maybe a few more, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you give up three points, <laughs> it's hard to have too many arguments about your defense. Um, where he was wrong, nothing really stands out over, you know, that much. I mean, obviously, he's with the discipline stuff, that's not – you can't really blame him, but that's a bummer that so many guys were injured slash suspended. Well, he's wrong about the offensive line, at least for one game. Right, yeah. Yeah, from what I saw, not a huge game. Although, having your best lineman out there would – Hopefully, it helps solidify things a little bit there. Um, so we'll have to see. Plus, you know, George Frazier in a blocking role. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, yeah, they didn't look great in week one. Um, you know, the wide receivers, you know, there's a lot of talk about the holes in the defense, that kind of stuff. Didn't take as, mad, as much advantage as that as I would have liked to have seen. We were right in predicting most of the true freshmen that would play, but Jonathan Van Deese and Nate Landman didn't, which surprised me a little bit. I expected to see them at least out there on special teams, kind of getting their feet wet. And we were wrong about the fact that I think we both thought only between Dante Sparacco and Jacob Collier, only one of the two was going to play, and both of them played and played yeah. pretty well. Pretty well, yeah. I mean, I think we were both right that we expect them to be impact players at some point, and uh, we only thought one would play, you know, in, in this particular year, but yes, I mean, I was surprised both played, not surprised both played well. Collier, towards the end of camp, there was making a lot of noise. We expected him to have a pretty significant impact, and he did. He looked <laughs> really awesome out there. It would be amazing to see what happens when he kind of gets himself into college football player shape. Yeah. I remember Addison Gilm's first game, and it only took maybe two series of that game in the Rocky Mountain Showdown for you to go, okay, this guy has – a special closing ability. He's a heat-seeking missile out there. Unfortunately, injuries derailed his career. But Jacob Callier had that. You only had to see him out there a couple times, rush the passer to just realize this guy has special playmaking ability. Yep. Yeah, I think it's important for this team's success this year because there's not really someone you can point to that is reliable in that role this year. So for if you can continue to be the guy that they can go to on third down to you know have those big-time third-down sacks, that would be huge for this defense. You mentioned Jeremy Irwin and George Frazier suspended for the opener. Mike McIntyre is not willing to discuss publicly their situation. I would set the expectations for you not to see those two guys out there Saturday, but then I believe they're going to be back in the mix the following week against Northern Colorado. But again, Mike McIntyre has not confirmed that on the record. 
certainly you don't want to see two leaders captains have this situation right before the the season opener. And you had the Frank Umu suspension, the Anthony Jewel Meese. I know Samson Kafavalu got into some things, but they had by and large for a program of 105, 105 college kids kept their nose pretty clean here recently, but this is kind of a flurry we've seen, which is not a good trend. Yeah, not not what you want to get into for sure. I mean, these guys are big parts of what we do on offense, so having them available would be big for the program. Obviously, getting them back by Washington is going to be the real key. I mean, I don't really care if they're here for Northern Colorado that much, but it would be a big issue if they are not available for Pac-12 play and obviously make what seems like maybe a small issue, a little bit bigger in our eyes. The Buffs are hoping to redshirt KB on Anto and Donovan Lee. Be huge for, for kind of bridging the gap a little bit next year, losing uh, Philip Lindsay, you know, losing your, your top four receivers. Yeah, I was kind of begging for this over the summer, and if this does come to fruition, um, KB on Anto will be one of my favorite Buffs ever. I mean, this is about as selfless an act as you could – have I think you know it's tough to redshirt your senior year he's a talented player who absolutely would have helped this team this year uh, but next year I think he has a chance to be our best wideout and uh, you know kind of bridge the gap with our wide receivers that have a little continuity with Montez going into next year I think it's important for the future moving forward for this program for him to be available if we can so um, I love that they're trying to do it I didn't think they were going to, so if it works out, that would be awesome, and I'll definitely be rooting for him because he deserves to have yeah. a huge senior year. And one reason that it's difficult for him to redshirt is that he's got a young child back in Mississippi, I believe is where he's from. So and to be separated from your family like that, having a young kid, that, that's that's a sacrifice right there. But I really do think next year he's going to blow up, and that's going to pay off huge dividends down the road for him from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I agree. I think if he is your number one guy next year, he has a chance to be a mid-round NFL pick. I mean, his his short burst is special and, uh, you know, big-time vertical threat as well. Really explosive getting off the ground. So I think if he has a good senior year and gets into a combine setting, people are really going to love him. So if it works out well for him, I think he's going to get an NFL paycheck. I really do. With Donovan Lee, I don't necessarily expect him to be the starting running back next year, but right. losing Philip Lindsay, Michael Atkins, they had thought about bringing in a junior college transfer. I think Donovan Lee, you'd rather have a Donovan Lee than a junior college transfer where you, you don't know quite what you're going to get. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's a guy who struggled last year. Uh, I think they like where he's rebounded to at this point, but they're using other guys more, and they can use him next year in a bigger role. So I think he was a little more open to this um, to kind of get him back in the fold. And, yeah, I think they're going to have some different running backs next year. It'll be interesting to see if Alex Fontenot plays a ton. He really flashed to me in fall camp, so I think he might have a bigger role next year. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool of these upperclassmen guys to be willing to do this. JT Bill, the long snapper, is placed on scholarship, and they had another scholarship open. So Tony Brown, the transfer from Texas Tech that wasn't expected to be on campus until the spring, is able to come out and practice this fall. Uh, which is, again, big to kind of get acclimated to the system. It's going to be probably more spring ball that that occurs just because, I mean, he's probably running scout team, you would imagine, mm-hmm. but it, it's good to get those guys on campus. I, I went back and watched his high school film again, and, and if, yeah, that, if that guy is the player they're getting, he's got some explosiveness. Yeah, he was really good for Texas Tech as a freshman as well, so there's definitely some potential there. I could see him being one of the guys to replace the three seniors that are going to be gone after this season, so... Yeah, I th- you know, people are going to talk about, oh, 
Colorado lost three talented wide receivers, they're going to be struggling there. But there's a lot of talent in the wings, and I think they could still be pretty good moving forward. So early on during this Mike McIntyre tenure, when they got a win, tears would come flowing down yeah. Mike McIntyre's face. He was very emotional, celebrating. The team was just over the top in terms of celebrating. And this went into last year, you know, too. After the CSU game, they, there were smiles. There were, there were some guys that were happy to grab that trophy, give it a kiss, and run over to the student section. But there were some coaches that I saw on their way back to the locker room that almost looked like they had just lost a game. That, that's a good sign for this program. That yeah. The expectations have changed to where when you beat CSU 17-3, to you're kind of frustrated a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think if that's the result of it, that people are frustrated that they didn't play better, that's good. Uh, from a team chemistry issue, you don't want guys like – if they're not having fun, that becomes an issue. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But from what I saw, it looked like they were just – we didn't play that well. We should have played better, and we expected to win this game going away. So I think that's a good thing. Um, keep a little fire in their belly. You know, they can get right in the next two weeks, hopefully. Texas State is coming to town. We're going to talk more about them, maybe more than we should in our preview that you'll see coming later this week. There, there are certain teams – from even the FCS ranks that you could be scared of, but this ain't one of them. No, yeah. If we struggle with Texas State, we got, we have some real issues for sure. Um, try to get the starters out as soon as possible. Avoid big-time injuries. We got bigger fish to fry yeah. this year. Blake Stinstrom, Colorado's quarterback commit at Valor Christian, is expected back in action. They're traveling out to Atlanta to play a high school out there. So that's good. It was certainly a, a scary moment there in the season opener when his head hit the turf and he had to get taken off the, the field in a stretcher. I mentioned on our last podcast it was diagnosed as a mild concussion. So uh, a very, very good sign there. And check out our commit updates feature coming out later this week or depending when you listen to this podcast, it might be up already. Uh, basically going to be keeping track of all these commits throughout the season, let you know how they're doing with their high school team. Before we jump into our Buff Stampede mailbag, here's an interview I did with Josh Kaiser. He got the start in place of Jeremy Irwin at left tackle. He talks about getting that first start with the Buffaloes. What did it feel like to get that uh, start in the season opener? You know, it, it felt great. Um, a lot of nerves going into the game, but uh, as I settled in, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty good start, and uh, it was a lot of fun being able to go out there and uh, play and uh, win that game. And uh, I'm looking forward to this week being able to prove on the, the things that we messed up last week and just going from there. Coming in here and working hard, uh, did you ever lose patience or did, did, did you always kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's easy to lose patience. A lot of times, you know, you get frustrated with uh, you lose reps, uh, stuff like that. But, um, you know, you just believe and just having faith and working the process that uh, it'll come through and uh, you'll get your time. Was it this spring that was kind of your breakthrough? When did you feel like you kind of hit your stride as an offensive lineman in terms of being able to be somebody that could help this football team? Yeah, I think it was definitely the spring being able to work back at tackle and um, just being able to work on my technique, work on my strength and size and being able to, to uh, just get better at every day and just take advantage of every day, being able to work on one thing at a time. So it sounds like tackle is more of a natural position. Did you ever feel like kind of like a tweener at times, kind of getting pushed back and forth? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, playing guard, I got comfortable at guard. It was a uh, uh, that's what I started. Uh, my red shirt, 
so freshman and sophomore year going through a guard uh, with the second group and coming back at tackle. Um, yeah, I felt like a little bit of an in-betweener. Uh, I could play both, but uh, I feel a lot more comfortable at tackle. I feel like more at home at tackle because I played that in high school. And uh, Yeah, getting those reps against uh, another Division One program now uh, with the game speed and all that, how beneficial is that for your for your development, being able to kind of analyze what you did last Friday? Um, yeah, it's very beneficial being able to especially start uh, uh, the season with a Division One team. The Colorado State is a very good football team, and uh, they play hard. And I feel like uh, especially with them, that was a really good way to start out uh, my games at tackle against that team. I feel like uh, that's a good start. Yeah. Clayton Adams says, as a unit, you guys have a lot of room for improvement. What, what are some of the main things he's been harping on this week with you guys? Uh, you know, a lot of it uh, just comes down to attitude. Um, we got a strain to finish. Uh, you know, just uh, keep our minds on our technique when we're tired and um, just continue to strain when it's late in the game. And, you know, when we get up, we got to be able to finish and put away teams and uh, just continue to fight through the whole game. And I know you guys were hoping to score more points as an offense overall. Is it just come down to a timing thing and kind of getting that down as you, you know, get, get further into the season? Um, you know what, yeah, I feel like uh, uh, with the CSU game, uh, we had to make a few adjustments, but um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, going up against Texas State, we'll be able to, we'll have our timing down, chemistry's a lot better uh, between the linemen, between quarterback and receivers. I feel like we'll be able to come out and score a lot of points. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. Well, Tyler, Josh Kaiser had a really nice block on Philip Lindsay's long touchdown run. Didn't He didn't grade out all that well. Uh, I, I think you're less frustrated with his performance, though, than you are the other four guys on that old line that have experience. They should have played better than they did in that game. Right. I mean, yeah, Timmy Lanoc graded out as the best player on the team in the game, according to Pro Football Focus. But, yeah, the other guys, not the greatest performance I've ever seen. Difton didn't uh, dominate the line of scrimmage like we were expecting. So not sure what the deal is there. They got to get a little more physical, if you ask me, uh, because you know they need to be a little more dominant front. Phil Lindsay's a stud, and they need to give him some room to run. And you talk about some of Montez's inconsistencies. It's tough when you're not getting time back in the pocket. You start to f get happy feet, and you saw that a little bit at times. I think when you don't trust your offensive line, all of a sudden it kind of takes the whole time into your offense away. All right, let's get into the Buff Stampede mailbag. Ralphie's running asked, what is saltier, the Dead Sea or the Rams fan base? Uh, the Rams fan base for sure. I've really been enjoying this week on Twitter because they're still making comments about this. Um, I don't know what they really want me to say. Like, do you want me to, like, give you the trophy or, like, apologize and say you should have won the game? Because neither of those things are happening. <laughs> I didn't tell the refs to do this. They, we both played the game. You guys scored three points on a defense that pretty much had never played before, so I don't really feel all that bad. I'm proud of myself because I think I've insulated myself to where I don't even see any of the CSU stuff. Like, I don't follow certain people that... that I think I, I, the only thing I saw was the Denver Post that actually was backing up, you know, had the, the statement from the Pac-12 officials, so... Yeah, and Kisla. I saw some CSU fans were talking about how, oh, if Kisla's defending us, it must really be true. I think Kisla is one of the biggest homers in Colorado for CSU. He always has things to say about CSU. Whatever's going to stir up some controversy, yeah, he's well, – I'm not getting into that. <laughs> King KB had this to say, I saw Nick Fisher was suited up on the sideline during warm-ups, but never saw him run, and obviously he was eventually held out. Given how difficult hamstring injuries can be to put behind a player – is there any insight to when the staff expects him back? 
and whether he's at risk of losing his role to Evan Worthington when he eventually returns. So Nick Fisher is listed as doubtful for this week, and he already re-injured that hamstring once, so you got to be a little bit more precautionary with it given, again, yeah, he points out that hamstrings are just difficult. And they it's, are. There's never a, a firm timetable, it seems. Yeah, that's kind of my concern is if you bring him back too early, he's going to continue to get hurt. Does he ever – he played as a true freshman, right? He did. He has a so, red shirt. So he does have a red shirt. I mean – If they I, just had I'm one not, more guy that they could go to, but they just don't have any depth Right. There. No, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, I think we'll see how it plays out. But um, hamstrings are tough, man, and it's hard to put him out there if he's not really ready to go. So – I'm not going to say that he's going to redshirt, but I'm saying if the possibility is out there and we don't hear much from him in the next few weeks, we'll see. How could you take Evan Worthington off the field? Right. This I mean, point? that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, if those guys stay healthy, it almost makes sense. I mean, yeah, the depth isn't great, but if they don't have any injury issues, you might as well just hold him out until he's ready, like actually ready to go. Yeah. Worthington was so ver- is so versatile. Remember, we were expecting Ronnie Blackman to come in and nickel back on third down, but Worthington's so good in, in every role now in that secondary that they, he just stayed on the field basically the whole time. Yeah, he's going to – you know, losing Ryan Moeller next year is going to be tough because he's fun to watch play, but Evan Worthington can definitely slide into that. Put me on the field and I'll make plays. It doesn't matter where I am role. Just a totally different player than what we saw before. He was always a step kind of slow. It was like he was trying to think out there, and I think that came down – his preparation just wasn't there before. Yep. The Real Mizzou buff asked – after an impressive showing in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, how do you project Philip Lindsay's numbers for the season? Chances for postseason honors and as an NFL prospect. Also, after game one, have any of your projections for other players in the hunt for postseason honors as well as draft prospects changed or have they stayed the same? Well, Tyler, you had super high expectations for Philip Lindsay, so you, yeah. your expectations were kind of long that he's going to average like 140 yards a game, if I remember uh, right. Yeah, I think I said... There's a chance that he'll have 2,000 total yards this year. Um, I still feel that way. I think he's probably going to have 1,500 somewhere. And I forget what I said. We we had an estimate on the podcast one of these times. Uh, but a large, he's going to have a large amount of rushing yards this year. That's all you need to say for me. Yeah. Um, and chance to postseason honors, I think he'll definitely be up there in in uh, in pretty much every category if the Buffs are good. If they win nine or more games, he'll be up there for sure. And as an NFL prospect. A guy who's pretty small, I've said in the past, I don't think he's probably an NFL guy. His pass-catching ability last year, though, definitely made him a little more intriguing because now he you know, he can kind of play that third-down role potentially in the NFL. But I still think he's got to get a little bit bigger. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's no one. People are going to get him in the interview room, and I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if somebody took a chance on him because he's, yeah. he's an unbelievable guy. I don't see him as an NFL guy either, but if there's one person that's going to prove all of us wrong in that regard, it's Phil oh, Lindsay. Yeah, for sure. Any other guys? I mean, I, I hate to overanalyze too much yeah, one game. Uh, nothing really changed for me, um, and we can talk about what my Isaiah Oliver still projection. looks like a guy that could leave early. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've said before I expect him to leave early. I expect him to be. If he doesn't leave early, he's going to be a first round pick. If he does leave early, he could still maybe be a first round pick. I honestly feel like he's that good. Um, you know, in terms of other guys, Jeremy Irwin is probably a mid round tackle prospect right now for me. Uh, man, I mean, Ryan Moeller's probably not an NFL guy. Afalabi Laguda, I haven't watched enough of the game one, but he wasn't a guy I considered to be an NFL draft pick, but, you know, looked decent in game one. We'll see. I think speed is going to be the biggest issue with him. Leo Jackson, again, probably not an NFL guy. There's George Frazier, probably not either. There's not a ton of senior guys that I see going to the NFL. The wide receivers, I mean, Shea, 
Bryce Bobo probably have decent chances. Bryce may be the best because he translates best to the NFL. But uh, Devin Ross probably not going to the NFL either. Dorn09 asked, is Phil Lindsay hurting? I've never seen him run out of bounds to avoid contact like that before. He was gassed at one point, um, but I don't think he's hurting. I think that's just the coach is saying, get, finally get into his head that, no, you're going to get out of bounds. Well, I think Kyle Evans is hurt, right? So <laughs> Philip Lindsay needs to stay healthy. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, that's... Yeah, you get Michael Atkins out there. Yeah, okay, fine. But let's be honest. He hasn't been healthy for three games basically his whole career. I don't, I don't think your goal is to make Michael Atkins your lead back with his injury history. Yes, he's talented, but... I think Phil staying healthy is important for what this team is doing. There was one time he left, I think, about three yards on the field. And it, it was. I remember going, huh, I've not seen that from Philip Lindsay. But you'd rather see a little bit of that versus taking risks the other direction. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, you know, it's, it's game one. The guys will kind of get back into the mold. Phil, he's always better as the game goes on. He's also always better as the season goes on. So he'll be fine. Also, you know, they limited him throughout camp too which sometimes may, makes it tough to be in ideal shape I mentioned that he was gassed at one point you can it's like one of those things you could spend all day on the treadmill but then you go on the basketball court it's just a l- different level of cardio yep. so if you're not getting a ton of live reps during camp maybe you have to kind of ease into it a little bit King KB had this to say lots of conversation on the board on LaVisca Chenault losing his el- ability to redshirt this year I know it came as a surprise to all of us heading into the game. Several days later, do you have any better idea on the staff's thinking here? I would think that there are maybe a couple things at play here is that since you're going to redshirt KB on Ento, right. you got to have one other guy that if there's an injury there that you can really yeah, count on. I think we talked about this leading up as in through fall camp as well. If KB on Ento redshirts, LaVisca Chenault is probably going to play. I think that's the next guy up in line for you. Um, you know, or, you know, I guess maybe you could have tried to do the Lee Walker thing, but I mean, LaVisca is a good player. And I think he's, you know, in games like this, this upcoming week, where you're probably going to try to sit the starters in the second half, like three or four wide receivers are going to play in the second half. There has to be a body out there. LaVisca is going to be that guy. And I don't really think they're too concerned about him between junior and senior year at this point, honestly, like the guy's a stud. He's going to be a good player. He's probably going to have NFL prospects in his future. You know, you get him ready, and they need guys to replace these three wide receivers next year. They need live game competition to be as ready as possible. So if Kbion can sit, I think it's not really that surprising to me that LaVisca is going to be the guy that plays. McIntyre mentioned something about the, the, the true freshman that played, and he said, game one, get them on the team bus, get them through game warm-ups, have them go on special teams so they have a little bit of that in-game feel. And then you start to work them in more as the season goes along. And, and to your point, he's going to play a lot these next two weeks. Hearing uh, Stephen Montez talk about LaVisca Chenault uh, in the preseason, I think this could be a guy in red, red uh, zone situations with uh, goal line fade route type deals that right. he could be actually valuable in big games for this football team this year. And then also, we've seen guys that we kind of criticize the staff over that burn their red shirt. Uh, maybe an NJ follow. Uh, Anthony Julmis and these guys end up needing that red shirt later, whether it's injury or suspension or something that yeah. goes on. I mean, yeah, Nick Fisher as well. Um, then there's another one that I was thinking of the other day. And he could be potentially, um, who knows? I mean, he could blow up and be a Adam three. Lee even too. Yeah. Guys who played probably earlier than you want. I mean, sometimes it's a bummer. Like Jimmy Gilbert. Yes. If Jimmy Gilbert was able to be on this football team this year, our defense is nasty. Yeah. So sometimes it doesn't work out. But, yeah. you know, I don't think it's going to take LaVisca Chenault three years to develop. 
he's ready to play. So, you know, if you need another body out there and you're trying to redshirt arguably your best wide receiver for next year, yeah. that's a pretty good guy to throw in there. Do you think it helps with recruiting too? I mean, they're recruiting his younger brother. You go to right. so you go to some of these schools and say, "Look, Lavisca Chenault proved that he was ready to go, even though we had a loaded ride receiving corps. We still gave him an opportunity to play." I think it depends. I mean, you don't want to burn his redshirt and then have him play three snaps. That's not how you want to handle a guy yeah. necessarily as a freshman. So like Johnny Hunley last year probably right. wasn't the right exactly. way to do it. Exactly. So if Lavisca's happy with the role and they keep building him up and he becomes a viable option for this offense as the year goes on, yes, you can use that in recruiting. But if it's the Johnny Huntley situation where it's like, eh, he probably didn't help us to the point that it was worth to put him out there last year, that could go the other way too. Yeah. I mean, what if, what if Chenault's ready to go to the NFL in three years too? Then you right. would feel kind of stupid for preserving <laughs> that, that year. All right, next up we have a question from Go Buffs 80 Gents, thanks for doing these podcasts. Keep them coming. My question is, after one week in the books, what is your biggest takeaways from each the offense and the defense? What do you think? Uh, honestly, there's not much changed for me, despite the fact that the score was shocking. Um, the offense needs to be more consistent. They need a bigger threat at the wide receiver position for me, someone that they can rely on consistently all the time. Um, you know, I'd like to see one of those guys stand out a little bit more. Um, they need to be a little more creative. Uh, and defensively, I would say the secondary is a lot better than people give them credit for. There's a lot of talent there. They're going to right a lot of wrongs that we may or may not see in the front seven. There's talent over the field. And, uh, you know, the D-line proved to be a little more stout against the run than I think people are ready to admit. So I, I, there's not a whole lot that really changed for me. Yeah, for me it was just the offensive line is going to have to live up back – live up to their expectations mm-hmm. or this offense isn't going to live up to its expectations. It's pretty simple. Uh, and certainly that didn't occur last Friday night. And then defensively, I just think between Evan Worthington's improvement, his versatility, having a guy like Jacob Callier emerge as a pass rusher and then seeing Drew Lewis out there, if he can keep playing consistently and with a motor like he did Friday night, this it's not out of the realm of possibility. The defense could again be this team's better unit which it would still surprise me even after the opener but the, yeah. with those three those three guys I think is what has made this defense a lot better than we could have anticipated going into fall camp yeah I agree it's going to be a lot closer than people think I sort of said that prior to the year but I think the you have to be a little concerned about the offense moving forward because you we would have liked to have seen them carry the load a little bit more this year and they'll probably put up 55 points the next two weeks and then better will be uh yeah Will be a lot higher than than on them going into the Washington game. Colorado rules asked breaking down the offense versus CSU. Why did we struggle so much in the second half? O line Montez just not feeling com- as comfortable in the pocket. Yeah. It was a, basically a timing issue, and then conservative. Yeah, like they you definitely revved down the engine, which I'm not a huge fan of ever personally, especially in a rivalry game. I, you don't, I don't like to give a team any life. I mean, you look at that Texas A&M-UCLA game as the perfect example. You never take your foot off the gas because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so it's not something that I love. Like, this is college. It's not fourth grade where someone's going to crush you in the newspaper for blowing out some poor toddlers in football. You know what I mean? Like, these kids are all getting scholarships to play football. If you can't compete, that's not my problem. Does it at all encourage you that Colorado's coaching staff didn't respect CSU enough to show more things offensively? I mean, yeah, it could, it could theoretically. I mean, we'll see if that ends up being the case or if they just turtled up. 
I mean, if, if they if they're not more creative against Washington, then that would be right. That's what I'm saying. Like if they just turtled, and that's what we're going to see out of the offensive staff. I don't love that very much. But yeah, if they're just trying to save stuff, they're like, okay, we have this in the bag. We're trying to save stuff for Washington. Then yeah, that's awesome. It's a, most games under the McIntyre era, they've had at least one trick play, right? Yeah, it's yeah, one of the few do, games they, that they do do it quite a bit, especially yeah. in the bigger ones. Yeah. Like they did a few against USC last year. Finn Buff thirty three asked, "Will the Buff stop running the power quarterback run and let the running backs do the short yardage plays?" So I believe they only did Montez inside the tackles once, and it didn't work. Uh, didn't love the call, but I don't think it wasn't like last year when they did it with Sefo every third down and short. Right? Yeah. So I mean, I'm not sure once <laughs> it counts as like <laughs> repeatedly going after something. Uh, so I guess if you want, if you're asking if they're going to do it zero times. Probably not. <laughs> but uh, they're going to do it a lot less than last year. I don't really like their offense. I think one of the weaknesses with this offense is in short yard situations because Phil, Phil Lindsay's okay at that. Um, but I don't like how Bo Bisher runs in those situations. He did get one conversion on a, on a uh, short rushing situation. You don't love Montez between the tackles. Well, what would be your best option there? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see a little spread it out a little bit more. I mean, there's you have four wide receivers that are impossible to guard. If you throw in quick slants, quick outs, whatever it may be, a lot of those are going to be tough to stop, and it spreads out your defense. Makes it a little bit easier to go for it on fourth and one if they have to respect your passing game there as well. So I think that's what I would do because I agree. There's not really, I don't see the power from this team to get the fourth and one every time. So if it's fourth and one on the on the one yard line to win the Pac-12 championship. You, you're probably giving it to Philip Lindsay in that situation, right? Yeah, He's probably yeah. your best option. I agree. I just think you have to change it up a little bit throughout the year because if people don't respect your ability to run the ball, they're just going to you know, they're gonna stack you and you're not going to be able to do anything. And they're going to have to do some design runs with Montez just to keep defenses honest. Yeah. Uh, they ran him outside the tackles, and it was kind of mixed results there. He had a couple where it was pretty effective. but Yeah, he's, he did this last year a lot too where he always looks like he's fighting with himself on whether or not to get down and it just looks like a falling deer like he needs to be confident in what he's doing like if he goes out and sprints and runs and then just falls he'll get a lot more yardage down the field that's a pretty funny visual i know exactly yeah i can picture it in my head right now ct buff had this to say word out of camp seemed to imply montez is clearly the number one guy at quarterback his play was pretty concerning going against a mediocre defense like csu do you get the sense of how far back Neuer is, and can he challenge for the starting spot if Montez continues to struggle? So Montez didn't struggle enough for this topic to come up. I agree, 100%. I mean, completed 75% of his balls, had a big touchdown. He had two picks, but one should have been caught and wasn't his fault. I mean, this is kind of what we told you to expect <laughs> for Montez going into the year. He's going to have some plays that make you scratch your head. He's going to have some plays that really wow you. The Shea Fields play, if that didn't wow you, not really sure what to say. But um, I'm not really concerned about him yet. It's his first game of the year. Uh, it's a rivalry game. It's kind of a feel-out game. I think Neuer is very talented and could play if necessary, so the far-back question is kind of irrelevant because he's not going to play unless Montez gets hurt. I think I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, but if he does, for whatever reason, I think Neuer can be successful. It'd be a little bit easier to answer just how far back is Neuer if he gets out there and gets some game reps. And yeah, it would be against Texas State and UNC. You would have to take that with a grain of salt. But 
it would be a little bit easier to answer that question if you actually saw him out there in full field. I'm already bracing for him to come in in the second half, play fairly well, and a few people on the board are going to be like, we should be starting Neuer. (laughs) I'm just going to get annoyed. (laughs) So I'm like mentally preparing myself right now for that moment. (laughs) CSU doesn't have a great defense, but I think we've got to give them a little bit more credit than what the expectations were for them coming into the season, right? I mean, they've for three halves in a row, they've been fairly solid. So... I mean, I don't think they're the world's greatest defense, but they're they're not horrible. Pikla said, It was awesome to watch Trey Udofia literally grow up before our eyes during the game, especially in the second half. Are there any other players you can remember watching that had a similar experience in their debut game as a buff? I tried to rack my memory. I didn't really have... I, I thought of a lot of guys like a Kenneth Crawley, a Ray Polk, that were just miserable early in their career, and they got better and better. Right. But I can't remember like Cal- a debut. Cal Witherspoon would be the main one for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Gilbert, same thing. Kind of, you know, he was hard to play at times because he would just get run over in the run game early in his career. But by the end, you know, big time guy. But you're not not in one game. Um, we expected him to be pretty good, and we talked about that a lot on the previous podcast. He, you know, he kind of got baptized a little bit early in the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it takes reps, and he has the talent. And it didn't really surprise me to see him get comfortable as time went on. And he didn't necessarily grow up long-term in front of our eyes. Washington, Jake Browning could attack him, and all of a sudden we're... Well, right, yeah. I mean, CSU has fairly good wide receivers, so I think it's a good test. Um, we're going to see some better wide receivers, and we're definitely going to see some worse ones, too. So I think, you know, yes, probably against Washington and USC and some of these elite five-star wide receivers, he's going to have a game or two where he struggles. That should not be a surprise. But I think he is fully capable of guarding a majority of the guys he's going to see this year. Nip is 13 asked, after one week seeing Washington not really blow out the worst team in the Big Ten, do you think CU has a better chance against them now, or do the results in week one not change anything for the both of you? So the Washington-Rutgers game was going on at the same exact time of the CU game. So yeah. I, all I saw was they struggled in the first half, but yet they won by 16 on the road. Yeah, Rutgers is not a good team, but it's still a power conference opponent. Right. I mean, Washington didn't play Illinois, so that's decidedly the worst team in the Big Ten, first of all. Second of all, Rutgers is improved, and they also struggled with Rutgers last year. And as you might recall, Washington had a fairly good season. So it wouldn't really surprise me to see them just completely dominate everyone from here on out. Uh, I think Rutgers, on the betting pod last week, Tyler told us that they scored their second fewest points of the season against Rutgers last year, too. So um, for whatever reason, they were able to hold them down a little bit. I don't think it says much. It's week one. There's a lot of people who looked really terrible in week one. There's a lot of people who looked a lot better than they are in week one. Washington's a good team. It doesn't change much for me. They're going to come in here favored. They're going to come in here with 10 dudes who are going to play in the NFL within the next two years or more. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's possible that we can beat them. Sure. You know, if we play well and they struggle, it's, it's definitely a possibility. But Rutgers has nothing to do with it. And they play Montana and Fresno State coming up. If you're a Colorado fan, you want them to blow out both those teams and, and give yourself some chance of maybe game day coming to yeah. Boulder. It sounds like that's a legit possibility last year. Uh, it sounded like it was a legit possibility too, and, and everybody got kind of got let down with that. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. tempering my expectations yeah. in terms of that. Yeah, I don't like to get too hyped about stuff that doesn't happen <laughs> because yeah. then it's crushing when it doesn't. Um, I think I was looking at the schedule, and someone brought it up on the board too. I think the TCU Oklahoma State game is really the only one that really concerns me. 
Although they ended up going to Central, no, Western Michigan, Central Michigan last year. Western Michigan. Western Michigan, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, I do think that might kind of help CU. Don't don't you think that they were so close to coming out to Boulder last year, they might yeah. kind of feel like they owe it to CU? Yeah, I mean, I think they want to get back out here. It's obviously a great venue for it, you know, visually on camera. Um, we're both going to be three and zero probably. You know, if if all goes, I mean, if that if that isn't the case, we're not getting game day. We might as well right, just right. say that straight up. Um, yeah, I mean, they they it seemed really close last year. I, th- I think they want to get back out here. So, I think CU's close enough to the top twenty-five that if they win the next two weeks, they'd probably eke in there with some other teams falling out. Wouldn't you uh, expect that? Yeah, I mean, it's a. I'd have to look at the schedule and see who the teams. I think are they're twenty-seventh in the coaches, twenty-ninth in the AP. Yeah, they'd need a little bit of help, probably. Okay, but you know it depends. Like I, I, would, I haven't looked to see who the teams in the twenties are playing. Buffnick one asked, "Who would win a forty-yard dash race between Mike McIntyre and Big Javier Edwards? How do we make this event happen with the winter winner deciding whether Javier gets to play some offense?" That's a good question there. So yesterday at the the press luncheon. I'm killing some time. I'm looking at the, the questions we've got posed on our message board, and I see this one, and I, I happen to mention it to the other media writers there, and they got kind of a chuckle out of it. As Mike McIntyre was leaving the press conference, Brian Howell flat out asked Mike McIntyre if he would beat <laughs> Javier Edwards in a 40-yard dash. And Mac, McIntyre's response was basically like, no, I'm too old for that. I would, <laughs> I would definitely pull something. <laughs> and he said, Javier moves, moves faster than you would think. Um, so there's your answer. The head coach says that Javier would beat him in the 40-yard dash. Um, I do think it's kind of like me and Ryan in Konigsberg raced a 100-yard dash. Ryan smoked me. Yeah. If we had just made it a longer distance, I think you I would get him. I think it's the same thing. The longer these two are running, Mike McIntyre eventually is going to pass him because he's actually run the boulder-boulder a couple times, put some decent times up there. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he obviously... Is capable of running, but I'm not sure you want to match up against Javier. Probably would have just grabbed him by the back of the jersey and just thrown him into the stance <laughs> if he started getting ahead of him. If you want entertainment, though, Tyler, watch when Javier Edwards runs from the sideline onto the field. It's just such an unnatural looking thing. Yeah, he's uh, he's a huge human, for lack of a better term. It's hard to really fathom just how massive that guy is. And he had a really solid, I thought, week one performance. Well, I see you over here typing. I think you're getting ready for your Pac-12 power yeah, rankings. Exactly. So uh, let's let's jump into this reverse order. All right. So 12 is the only team that's lost <laughs> so far. And they probably should be 0-2. Uh, Oregon State barely sneaking one out against Portland State last week. Um so disappointing. I think if you'd watch Oregon State the second half of last year, you had to have really not not super high expectations, but you had to think that this was a, a Pac-12 team that was ready to play spoiler in a lot of games this right, year. Right, yeah. I thought that they were going to be better this year, but their record wouldn't show it because their schedule is tough. They're not better. I mean, they are really struggling offensively. They're kind of a disaster. Defensively, they're way worse than last year. Um I don't know, man. It's hard to see them winning a whole lot of games the way things are going so far. And they're the only Pac-12. You said only Pac-12 team with a loss. Yeah, so that's pretty huge for the conference. Conference looks like it's going to be pretty deep again. No real surprise there. 11, I have Arizona State. Uh, I talked a lot about on a previous pod that New Mexico State was a huge underdog versus them, and I thought that was crazy. They almost lost the game. (laughs) I think they ended up winning by seven. Uh, 
They are also favored against San Diego State this weekend, which... Take the points. For those of you that like money, <laughs> I will be putting money on that game. I can't... I know that you're always supposed to bet against obvious betting lines, but I just I don't understand how that is an underdog situation for San Diego State. But you, you, uh, tune, you tune in to some games, and it's like... I just didn't like schematically what you saw from Arizona State in that game. And defensively, they kept their starters out there basically... 100% of the snaps in that heat. By the end of the game, they were starting to wear down. I just don't think – I think Todd Graham was a good coach when he had a good staff around him. And I don't think – kind of beginning with last year, I don't think he has a good staff around him anymore. Yeah, I don't I, – I think this might be the last hurrah for him. So 10, I have Arizona. They played Northern Arizona. It doesn't really tell you much. Uh, it scored 62 points, though, so that was – you know, that's exciting. Um We'll see more from them moving forward. They have Houston this week. Houston is actually favored at Arizona. That kind of tells you a lot about how Vegas feels Arizona's going to be this year. Arizona's a one-trick um, pony. They, if they run the ball, they're going to have success, but they don't have any passing game, really. Yeah. Utah, North Dakota game, it was ugly. Pretty much classic Utah. I hate watching them play pretty much every time I see them. Uh, I have Cal at 8. They probably had one of the best wins. Standing ovation for the Golden yeah. Bears. Yeah, they probably had one of the best wins. North Carolina's not very good this year, but I did not expect them to win that game. Uh, they are totally different from the years past. They looked kind of suspect offensively. Defensively, they had a great game. Uh, they also passed the ball a lot more than people expected. Most thought they were going to be kind of a run control this year. So yeah, we'll see what we get from them. They have a tough schedule, um, not this upcoming week, but then they... I forget who they play in week three, but yeah, should be a little. Well, Wilcox put together a good staff. Have, He's a Ole former Olmus. Olmus. So Wilcox is a former DC. He brings in uh, Tim DeRuiter, who was not much of a head, great head coach at, at Fresno State, but he's a really good defensive mind. He put together a good staff there. Yeah, I, mean, I was just surprised by the immediate impact. I mean, because that defense couldn't stop a bean pole last year. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, Washington State at seven. Again, that was. Uninspiring. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on in that game for me. Uh, UCLA. But it's Washington State, and they beat an FCS team. That's yeah. that's a thing. That's a <laughs> congrats. Yeah, that's true. They usually find a way to lose week one. UCLA is six. I probably could have put them eleven, or I probably could have put them one, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at that game. I kind of just kept it in the middle. The most impressive win. One of the best opponents. But it was only good for one quarter. <laughs> I mean, the first three quarters were pretty scary. I'm um, not really sure what to say about them. Josh Rosen, obviously, if he's right, you can see what UCLA is capable of. If he's not, you can also see what UCLA is capable of. They don't look great defensively. Um, I'm still not quite sure what we're going to see out of them for the rest of the year. So That was the most ridiculous football game I think I've ever watched. Yeah, it was wild. I was watching that casino in Cleveland and just sitting up there like, this game was 44-10 to 10, like nine minutes ago. <laughs> Rosen made some great plays, but there was just a lot of luck involved oh, yeah, too in that. absolutely. A lot of back throw, you know, just throwing ducks up there and getting, oh yeah, it was a wild game. I don't know how to explain it. I see you at five. Um, you know, Colorado State's a solid team. Obviously beat a Pac-12 opponent in week one, but definitely a lot of kinks to work out. I thought the four teams that I have ahead of them played better games, so it's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, Oregon. Dominating first performance, 77 points, exactly what you wanted to see from them. Uh, I think this Nebraska game this week will tell us pretty much all I need to know about how legit they are this year. They're already a 14-point favorite in that game, which is a big number for a team that hasn't proven much in the last two years. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if they if they do you know, cover that game, I'll take Oregon pretty seriously in the north moving forward. Uh, third, I have Stanford. Well, hold on real quick with Oregon. If you're a CU fan, who are you cheering for? This weekend. Oh, Oregon. I am. I am. I'm cheering for Oregon. 
What if? But, well, what if right before kickoff, I just throw the picture of Jim Levitt throwing up the O sign and Folsom Field in your face? <laughs> I'm gonna be mad either way, probably. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be tough. So Stanford, a really legit performance. Week zero, I guess it was two weeks ago. My computer just died, but it's fine. I know what the other two, the other three are. Um, Rice is bad, so it doesn't really tell us much. But the game was in Australia, and they looked really good offensively. Bryce Love looked like a Pretty much Christian McCaffrey clone. He was phenomenal in that game. So maybe they won't have as much of a drop-off as maybe some expected there offensively. <coughs> they looked really impressive. I could have easily put them too. Uh, Washington struggled, yes, against Ruster, Rutgers for most of the first half. I'm not really sure it means much. They won a road game against a Power 5 team. You know, Stanford didn't beat anyone, so it's hard to really determine between those two who was better. I have USC at one. Western Michigan's a really underrated team. They looked terrible for the first half. Um, they looked terrible for most of the game. But one of the better opponents a Pac-12 team played, and they ended up smoking them in the fourth quarter. So we'll see. I wasn't overly hyped about any of them, I guess. Anybody won through six what it could have been at first, and it wouldn't have. Yeah. You're splitting hairs, I think, one through three. Yeah. And then you're splitting hairs four through really nine at this point. Yeah, um, probably seven or eight, I would say. I mean, if you're including Cal. I think I'm, you have to. they got a road win over a power five. I mean, that's the thing that annoys me the most is that we have these preconceived notions of teams, and then it just kind of like we, we – I'm going to go off what I saw week one, and they yeah. look pretty good. We'll yeah, see if they keep they it up. They definitely had the most impressive week one win. I just, I'm yeah. not, they're just not the best team. I think Oregon State is going to probably be in the cellar for the rest of the season. I can't imagine them – Finding a way to dig yeah. themselves out. They of always spot. seem to find a way to get better as the year goes on, though. So who knows? But that quarterback play, yeah, though, it was, <laughs> it was an impressive for sure. All right. If you didn't see on buffstampede.com recently, I put up a post with scheduled official visitors for football for the upcoming months. Just found out about another upcoming official visitor for next weekend, the Northern Colorado game. So I'll have information on that, and then. It's it's easy to kind of get it's easy for this to get lost in the shuffle right now. But men's basketball recruiting is really heating up. They're going to have a huge weekend uh, this weekend actually for the uh, Texas State game. Amadou uh, So I had already mentioned wrote an article about him that's coming to visit a big man recruit. And there are two other 2018 men's basketball recruits set to visit Boulder this weekend. So three of those guys I know. Colorado's hoping that they can get all three, kind of like they did last year when they brought out Evan Batty, Deshaun Schwartz, and Tyler Bay the same same weekend. Those guys really bonded. I know that's what the staff's hoping to do. So we're going to have a whole lot of information on that as well on the site. So definitely subscribe and check it out. Uh, you know, what are, are you able to get excited about men's basketball recruiting? I know you're big, big enough yeah, of a hoops yeah, guy. I'm, I'm always excited about it. Yeah, I think it's important they do a good job of bringing the football program into it, bringing them to all the games. So. If you see those guys, say hi, show them some love. Um, yeah, I think it's cool because they get to see what a game-like atmosphere is at Colorado. They obviously can't go to a football game or in a basketball game, excuse me, at this time of the year. So it's a cool experience as to what um, campus life is like. A lot of the basketball guys are always at the football game. So, all right. Well, you had a busy weekend. You got a busy week with work. You got your family in town. You're doing all these podcasts. So if you see big Tyler Ziskin out there on Saturday, give him a pat on the back for, for taking time out to do this podcast because we hey, appreciate no problem. it. I love doing it. So it's, we got to fit into the schedule one way or another, definitely. All right, we're going to be back with our preview of the Texas State game later in the week, so look out for that. Thanks for tuning in.